All right, friends. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, um, verse 12, where Jesus says, So in everything, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Sometimes, I think we act like the purpose of our lives is like really mysterious. Like we have no idea what we ought to do and we're waiting for some kind of instruction to come in the clouds. What does God want for my life? But the scriptures are abundantly clear about this. There is zero ambiguity or mystery here. God wants us to be people of love. People who love him and love others. Listen, I'm going to skip through a couple verses. I, I just need you to hear the common thread pulled through these. I hope some of these sound familiar to you. If they don't, I hope they become familiar to you. Matthew chapters 22, verses 37 through 40. This is echoed in Mark chapter 12 as well. Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment, are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. In Galatians chapter 5, for the whole, uh, verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. James chapter 2. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Over and over, we see love. Which is essentially what Jesus is saying when he says, do to others what you would have them do to you. You and I wish that others would love us, so love them. This is the greatest Command, this is the summary of the law. Everything God has asked of us hangs on love. The whole summary isn't complete unless you remember that love of God and love of neighbor need to go together. But in this passage, Jesus is directing us toward the love of others. And he's talking about his kingdom, or I should say, as he's talking about his kingdom, he summarizes it with an image of love. This, essentially, he's going, this is what I'm talking about. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Some of us, I think, that the whole point of Jesus' message is to be saved from hell, to have some personal and private relationship, and to be zapped into heaven when we die. And our relationship with God is definitely personal. There are aspects to it that are most assuredly private, and the heavens are where the party's at. But haven't you heard? Haven't you read? God wants to bring heaven to earth. His point isn't to get you out of here in just the nick of time. It's to stand you up and send you out into the world full of grace and truth, loving like the King of creation has loved us. Amen. Do to others as you wish they would do to you. This is the summary of the Law and the Prophets. Now, what's really interesting to me at first blush here is how few of us are really inspired by this. That's just an instinct. I haven't 
polled a bunch of people. But I actually think for many of us, we read over this and we think like Jesus should come up with something unique. I mean, how many of us are, are actually asking or wish we had some like cliff notes? You know, like if you haven't seen the Bible Project, you should check it out. Okay, it's, it's fantastic. There's, there's a book in my office called How to Read the Bible Book by Book. The Bible for Dummies is actually pretty good. I've read it. Like, there's all sorts of these things. And when Jesus says, let me just tell you what the summary is. I think many of us think he should come up with something we've never heard before. Something surprising, you know what I mean? He says, hey, love one another. And we sort of like gloss over those messages. Like we already know them or we got them locked away. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet none of us really do it. And we act like God hasn't been very clear about what he wants from us. And listen, friend, God has never tried to make his desire for you hidden. It may be hard to love, but it's not hard to understand what he's asking of us. It's not mysterious. It's not difficult to figure out. It's it's written in the stars and it's written on our hearts. Buddhists, Confucianists, ancient Indians, the Greeks, Zoroastrians, Jews, all over the world and all throughout history, people keep coming up with this. Some sort of don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you, or, or, or positively, do to others what you want them to do to you. It's plain to see. It keeps showing up everywhere. It's unavoidable. We know that we ought to love. And in a world filled with so much anxiety right now, and uncertainty and spin, For just a moment, let's give thanks to God that we don't have to guess what he wants for us. We don't have to wonder what he wants for our life. He has made it plain. He wants us to love. What does the kingdom of God look like? It looks like love. It looks like people doing to others what they wish others would do to them. Love. This is the summary of the law and the prophets One church father writing in the 4th century about our passage tonight said, We all know within ourselves what our duties are. We cannot ever again find refuge in ignorance. You see, we're not going to find ourselves before the throne of God someday saying, Oh, I didn't know you wanted me to love. Do to others what you want them to do to you. We know this. But, I do think there are a few ways we get this wrong. And I want to spend just a moment on how I think we we kind of don't quite hear it right sometimes. First, this doesn't mean, due to others what you wish they would do to you, this doesn't mean that every particular thing that you want is what others want. And we get into trouble with this all the time. It would be silly for a second. First, if I'm buying you ice cream at the store, should I just buy you what I want? Right? Due to others what you want them to do to you, Should I buy you Bluebell's Cookie Two-Step because it's my favorite? Well, no. I should consider what you want, and I should buy that. Because really, if like the script was flipped for just a minute, I wouldn't want you to buy me your favorite ice cream. I would want you to buy me what you think mine is. Oh, maybe use a weightier example. Uh, Many of you have probably heard of this. If you haven't, you can look it up. It's, It's relatively popular language. But Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages like decades ago. Um, Y'all might have heard of it. And and I think we get this wrong all the time. Like I, if if you look at these five love languages, I'm all about those words of affirmation. I'm all about that physical touch. 
And look, some of you are like that because there's only five, so you're going to have some overlaps. I, I get it. I like hugs. I like words. I feel loved, and I give love most naturally in these ways. My wife feels really, really loved by quantity time. And Gary Chapman doesn't actually say quantity time. He says quality. I just don't think it's possible to have quality time without quantity time. And so I think you just got to spend a lot of it and hope that some of it's quality. But listen, if I do to my wife what I wish that she would do to me, do I give her hugs? Do I tell her that I love her? That's what I like. And that's pretty good stuff. I mean, that's pretty good stuff, you know, like no matter what. Like, but if I'm really trying to love her, you know what I would give to her? I would give to her quantity of time. I'm like a dunce. Like, I, I mean, this, would, this is so baffling to me that this is true. But like if, my, if I told my wife, if somehow she got into her head that like, gosh, I just wish I could love Jason well today. And she came and she just like hung out with me all day. I'm like, I, it's so foreign to me as a love language that I'd be like, what are you doing? You know, like kind of thing. Uh, and she's like, I'm just trying to tell you that I love you. And I'm like, well, this is kind of inefficient. Like you could go do your thing. It's okay. Like I'm such a dummy when it comes to this stuff. But, but so it's hard for me to remember this. When I, when I need to love her, if I really want to do unto her what I wish she would do unto me, I would consider what are the ways she feels most loved and how do I approach her and move toward her in the way that makes sense to her. And sometimes I have these moments where I'm like, I, I psych myself into this. I'm like, I'm just going like to go hang out with her all afternoon. I don't know why that's significant because I don't feel, I got nothing to offer, nothing to say. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to sit next to her. And hours go by later, she's like, thanks. And I'm like, wow. You know, like this, it's, it's crazy. But we get this stuff wrong. We, we do to others what we particularly want for ourselves. And I think sometimes we miss the point there. Consider what somebody else wants and then do that. We'll come back to that in a minute. Let me, let, let me um, find myself in my notes. Okay, this is great. Um, let me give you an example for your roommates instead. Um, okay, so if you're trying to love your roommates, for example, by doing the dishes. What if they really want you to love them by doing something fun with them? Are you able to notice that and be aware of that? Or what if what they really would love is for you to let them decide what the next show is that you're going to watch together? Maybe you feel really bad about an interaction you had with your friend or your significant other, and you decide to buy them a gift as a, as a form of kind of apology and a peace offering. But maybe what they'd really love is to hear you speak an apology to them. Do to others what you wish they would do to you means that you should consider what they would want because if, if you were in their shoes, you would want them to consider what you would want. You get that? The other way we get this wrong is that we think Jesus said, do to others what they do to you. That's not what he said. He said, do to others what you wish they would do to you. Friends, many of us have just not been loved very well by others. And if we love others as we've really been loved by others in this world, we often simply perpetuate harm and evil. And Jesus breaks into this cycle of how we treat each other, summoning our initiative with the proactive command, do. You see, we are not a people who simply refrain from reciprocating evil. We're a people who do. We take action. We're proactive in love. And we do what we wish others would do to us. Get this, Jesus is calling for us to use our imagination. He's calling for creativity, for us to consider the other person and imagine all of the ways 
that we would love someone else to bless us and be kind to us and forgive us and do the very things that we can only imagine happening to us. A few years back, uh, there was a woman on staff who uh, was about to have a baby. And this was the first time we had somebody on our full-time staff who was about to have a baby. And we didn't have a maternity policy. And so we got together, our board of directors and I, we got together to talk about what are we going to do. And, and we're a small enough organization that we aren't legally bound to do much. Like we don't have to have any kind of particular policy, but we're trying to wrestle through the ethics of this and what does it look like to lean forward. And, and it was a really stressful conversation in some ways because I, I remember we're, we're making this decision. Basically, are we going to, you know, are we going to... Um, how long are we going to you know, let this staff member take time off and are we going to pay them? The staff member was expecting that, that she was going to be able to keep her job, but she was also expecting at a small nonprofit, she's not going to get paid, but she can take as much time off as she wants, which, which is what kind of was the norm a bunch of, around town about a bunch of nonprofits I heard. And, um, and man, we were in a pinch financially. We were four days away from payroll and we were $6,000 short. And I wasn't sure what we were going to do. And so we started talking about this idea, and the, I, basically we were landing, finally, on this idea, and this isn't very great, it's just okay. We landed on this idea that we could offer 12 weeks full-time off, and then four weeks part-time off, and she could stagger them however she wanted, and she would, her pay wouldn't budge an inch. It would be exactly the same the whole time. And, 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 and let me, just to give you guys some perspective, like there's European countries that offer like one year of paternity and maternity leave. You know what I mean? And I, and I remember thinking in my head, gosh, I took like a week off, if that. I wish I would have had more time off. I'm a guy, so that doesn't, I probably shouldn't say anything. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And then this gal on our board, she vocalizes that very thing that I was thinking, because she had more courage than I did. And she said, I didn't get that kind of maternity leave. And I said, partly because I needed to speak against my own spirit. I said, man, that sucks, doesn't it? Like, I wish that you would have gotten that. But you have the opportunity now to give somebody what you wish you would have gotten. That'd be pretty cool, right? Do to others what you wish they would do to you. Not do to others what they've done to you. What if we began to follow Jesus Christ and being transformed by His life and His work in us what if we began to use our finances in ways that we wish other people would use their finances? What if we began to use our words in ways we wish other people would use their words? What if we used our social media accounts in ways that we wished other people would use their social media accounts? What if we forgave in the ways we wish other people would forgive us? What if we lived in common spaces with people in the ways we wished other people would live in conversations with us? What if we didn't wait for them to go first? What if we loved others in the ways we wished others would love us? And the more beautiful and the more obvious Jesus makes these possibilities, I think the more heartbreaking it is when we don't live it out. Apart from Jesus Christ, who reconciles quickly instead of harboring anger? Apart from Jesus, who never covets someone or something else? Apart from Jesus, who always means just what they say? Who seeks the kingdom of God first? Who is generous and humble in their judgment? Who loves their enemies? 
Have you looked at the social and political climate of our culture, friends? Who loves their enemies right now? Lord, have mercy. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Not because you have loved as you ought to have loved, but because God, being rich in mercy, has compassion on you and has decided to give you his kingdom, even though you don't deserve it. Take heart, Jesus says, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Though we don't deserve it, he has deemed us worthy to receive it. I am making an assumption here that you know when the world gets quiet, when you're alone in your room, when your idols stop working, that you know you haven't loved as you ought to have loved. And I think when that reality comes crashing in, it's heartbreaking. And then I read over the text or I hear a pastor say, we're supposed to love each other. And I've all, I already know that I've failed, that I've fallen short. I don't want you to miss what Jesus is about. And we miss this all the time. If you were to sort of pull average Christians down the street, what is Jesus wanting in this world? What is Christianity about? What should Christians look like? I don't hear people say love, 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 love. And so it's vitally important that we don't miss this. It's literally repeated over and over and over again. When people ask Jesus, summarize all this for me, Jesus, he doesn't even hesitate. Love. Love. It's love, it's love, it's love. Do not murder, it's love. Do not commit adultery, it's love. And do not, even though you take care of your animals, it's love. Sabbath, love. Everything is love in the words of Malcolm Gladwell descending into the particulars of our lives. It's always love. And I don't want us to miss that. I imagine, I don't know what the count is, but I imagine this crew in this week it's loaded and it's on Zoom. It's the end of the semester. Graduation week's here. I imagine this crew's smaller. Friends, the word needs to get out. People do not know that Christians ought to be about love. What in the heck is going on? So I don't want to miss that. The summary of what Jesus' kingdom looks like and what his kingdom people look like are people who love. It's a kingdom of love. That is not the kingdom of the Republicans. That is not the kingdom of the Democrats. That's not the kingdom of the white church, or the black church, or the Hispanic church, or the Korean church, or the Orthodox church, or the Catholic church, necessarily, in our world. Those are not the messages that we hear. Can we be a people of love? Can that be the ringing message of everybody who puts Jesus' name over their lives. Don't miss this. He is ushering in a kingdom of love, but I really don't want you to miss this. Just because you haven't lived it out doesn't mean God has changed his mind with you. He is able to do what you and I are not. He can accomplish what we have not. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness to train us and raise us up to be a people who love as we are loved by Him. And so while the law is that we ought to love others, the gospel is that God loves us first in Jesus Christ. And by His grace, through faith, He makes us a people of love. Jesus has not and will not give up on you.
as y'all head into the winter break, know, hear this. I can't make you believe it, but I can tell you the truth. God will be at work to make you an instrument of love in this world over the break. And he will not forsake you, and he will not leave you alone. He sees you, he knows you, and he is with you to the end. This is the summary of all God has asked of us. Love. And the good news is that Jesus Christ accomplishes this for us and in us. And we'll finish what he started, friends. In closing tonight, I want to pray over you a prayer written by St. Patrick in the 5th century. There's just a snippet of it. You can Google it. It's called St. Patrick's Breastplate. But I want to pray this over you, and then I'll give you some instructions for breakout groups after this. Here we go. Christ with me, Christ before me. Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye and every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Beloved, let us love one another as he has loved us. Amen, amen, amen.